It's understanding that you need that benefit and walking them to the front door and maybe even knocking on it for them. It's the journey. Exactly. Yeah. And the journey should be simple. It should be easy. It should not be walking uphill the whole way. It should not be something that you've got detours all along the path. It should be, I'm already doing this other thing over here. And oh, by the way, while we were walking together, we noticed this might be somewhere where you want to stop and, and check out. Welcome everybody to the Navigate People First podcast. Thank you all for joining us and continue to subscribe and like our podcast if we are bringing you value. Hopefully we are doing that. Jeremy and I are back with another episode. Jay, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. This one's all about you, our HR folks. So we've been asking for feedback, topic suggestions throughout the entire past year. And today's episode, we'll be answering your questions. Thank you to all of our listeners who have taken the time to engage with our podcast give us suggestions, and let us know what you're thinking about. This one's for you, and we're anxious to get started. So let's dive in. Jay, we're in February 2024. One of the things that we've been able to really dive into within the 300 plus businesses that we work with and navigate is we're seeing where our HR friends are asking, how can we align our employee benefits program with our organizational strategic goals and how do we bring those key strategies all together that, that HR is implementing? Yep, absolutely. The challenge that HR professionals oftentimes talk to us about is a limitation of resources, right? There's only so much of them to go around. And oftentimes I feel like HR professionals can feel a little neglected by other business units, that they're not maybe top of mind of what they're going to do and how they can contribute. And stats would show that they're not getting more staff in HR as well. So they got to do with, with what they have. Yeah. And one of the key features they have to work with is the well-being program. The well-being program is unique in the organization in that oftentimes there is a financial incentive involved. So to cut right to the chase, you might have hundreds of dollars at play already in an incentive program to drive your participants to desired behaviors. Now, traditionally, that's been healthcare behaviors. There's no reason you can't align your well-being program in a much more holistic way to things like financial literacy, to things like physical activity and nutrition, to mental health, to organizational goals around training and mentorship, the sky is the limit in what you can do in your well-being program. And I don't think enough people are taking advantage of it from a broad basis. Yeah, I love the question because for as long as we've been doing this, well-being programs used to be looked at as an expense. And while they are an expense, I believe that it's shifted toward more of well-being as an investment in human capital. And when we think about human capital, we think about, you know, we're highlighting the, the positive impact when it comes to retention, productivity, engagement. We start to look at that HR is getting even more and more responsibilities or the overall strategy and the, the bottom line of the organization. So we think about like we're encouraging healthy habits. We think about our power of eight, but HR can also address when it comes to workload, work-life balance, toxic cultures, looking at how the well-being program can contribute to stress and burnout, diversity inclusion programming. And I would say that what we're seeing more of with our clients in the industry is 
they're aligning those employee benefits and those programs under the, the giant umbrella of well-being, employee experience, and engagement. And that includes all the variables of that organization's strategic goals, adding up to a healthy, happy employee that feels cared for, is in a good culture, and quite frankly, is like, has a purposeful work that they're doing at, the, at their job. Absolutely. From the IT side, there's not a single business unit of technology or product out there that's not going, how do I retain my best and brightest? And the well-being program should be a lever you can pull to help achieve those goals across, across any business unit, to be perfectly honest. Improving customer satisfaction, innovation, safety. I mean, all those things right there. It's just kind of fun to see the link of how employee well-being was kind of standing over here. And now it is really connecting the dots when it comes to business success. And we're able to track those metrics. You know, who's participating in the well-being program? Who's engaged in the culture? What are we looking at when it comes to absenteeism and turnover? And how are we monitoring those things and bringing that all together to demonstrate that return on investment, to demonstrate that value on investment? And we're just getting more and more variables inside health and well-being to be able to prove that ROI and that VOI, which again, overall organization strategy can connect all those goals together. Completely agree. And the flexibility of the program is going to be key. If you're working with someone that strictly focused on this one narrow example of well-being, then I think you're missing out on an opportunity. Jay, when we think about emerging trends and employee benefits, how are we thinking about ensuring that those programs remain aligned, positive, engaging when it comes to tying those strategic goals with employee benefits and bringing that together? Maybe talk about that on kind of the effectiveness of programs that we're seeing. We've seen a surprising, I think to a lot of people, not to us, but a surprising amount of engagement in our programming and efficacy in the programs that our clients are creating. Uh, we're seeing engagement rates between 50 and 60% across the board, even better in more personalized programs. Most recently, we're seeing 74% engagement in personalized programs. Jay, talk to us a little bit about how Navigate defines engagement when it comes to our programming. To be frank, when I hear engagement in the industry, I have a hard time not dropping swear words, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I hear engagement statistics all over the place, and I never see how those statistics are come to. When Navigate thinks about engagement, we break our engagement equation down into three pieces. What are you doing on the platform? What are you doing on high engagement activities like group challenges and video learning courses? And then what are you doing in your program? Are you achieving the goals of the program that the client has set forth? Each of those gets its own individual score and those scores roll up to a total aggregate for the organization. And we share that information with our clients. We show this is how we measure engagement. We're gonna show you the numbers, here you go. And so that's how we do it. We, we feel very proud about how we measure engagement because it's a no-nonsense number and we wanna share that. You know, I see some people will talk about engagement rates in the 90%. And I go, okay, just because you sent someone a message on a regular basis does not mean they engage with that message, does not mean that it- They check know. in. Exactly. So what we're trying to do is provide offering services, capabilities that are interesting and valuable to a participant. We're not just trying to check a box. And that's why our clients trust us so much. So when you've got an engagement rate that you can trust, you know that your participants are doing the things that you're asking of them. And to go back to the organizational strategy, we know that with a personalized program, we can drive engagement at 74%. That means that those participants are doing the things that you want them to do. 
that are going to lead to the behaviors you want to see, the healthy outcomes that you want to see, whether that be clinical health or whether that be mental health or whether that be career health, longevity, the organization can help drive all behaviors through a well-being program that is personalized and engaging. So when we think about our friends in HR, they're asking us, Navigate, we have 45 different vendors. How are we making sure that we're getting people to the front door of those particular programs that we have and the preferences those people want on a personal level? So when we think about staying ahead of emerging trends, yeah, bring in that vendor, but let's make sure that we're doing an audit on how they relate to the personalization of an individual and how it goes to our organizational trends. Do we want to negate stress? Do we want to make sure we're focusing on mental health? Then let's do that. Let's do that audit. Let's put it in and use technology for good and leverage that to partner and create that comprehensive solution for that individual in a frictionless way. Absolutely. I think the way to get there to understanding what those benefits are and how we're going to utilize the tools at play is about listening. It's about listening to our people and it's about listening to the data. We've talked about having trend that were trendy or trendier trends. Yeah. Trendy trends come and go. We hear about them in the, in our space on a regular basis. Mental well-being is always coming up as a, as a trend or is it trendy? Financial well-being is a very popular topic these days and that's come and gone from time to time. But I think what you have to do is start by asking, what is my data telling me? What are the results of my clinical programming telling me? What are my, my health risk assessment telling me? What are my surveys telling me? What are my, my pulse surveys uh, responding? Employee engagement surveys, what are they telling me? And then comparing that to the actual data, right? The biometrics are telling me that I'm still struggling with physical activity and nutrition, but I'm hearing a lot about mental health. So you've got to find a nice balance there and a tool that can support all of that at one time, both the clinical side of it and the engagement side of it, and be a holistic solution that drives people to what's right for them. And adapting programs accordingly, right? Absolutely. And as we look at fostering that thriving workforce, I guess always understand that well-being is it's not a destination. It's going to be a long-term journey. As we look at different demographics in the workplace, if we look at different generations in the workplace, we're going to have to continue like to have a commitment to change and aligning that across those organizational goals as the organizational goals change. Absolutely. So awesome. That's a good question. I love that one. Another favorite question that's, that's come up several times throughout the year is how can we continually tailor well-being programs to the specific needs and interests of our employees. I love this one because we've been talking about personalization and the power of eight for over a decade now, but Jay, now it's getting to hyper-personalization. So how can we continue to tailor that well-being engagement, that hyper-personalization to the individual to really connect to them and look at all the well-being opportunities that people are asking for within particular programs? If you've been listening to this podcast, you're starting to see where we're going with these conversations. People are asking how to personalize, how to tailor, how to adjust the program to what I want it to be. It's all about having customization, flexibility options. Well, how do you do that? You have lots of opportunities to gather data. Data is not this sort of nebulous, scary thing. Data is something that represents the people, right? Can't ask a person individually, every single person at the organization, what they feel about something but we can survey them and we can look at it in aggregate. So what do we need to do to understand a participant now and in the future? Well, to me, you start with the basics. You start with going to your doctor and getting your biometrics, doing your annual physicals and your age and gender screenings, doing your health risk assessments. That's table stakes at this point. We need to start looking at 
a greater range of things like your personality. What are you bringing to the table at work and what do you have that you're passionate about at home? Employee engagement data is right along with their understanding what motivates someone, what do they value at home and at work and in their peers and in their managers. And then what do they need? And I don't just mean, you know, do they need a computer or a quiet place? I mean, what do they need when you're not around? Look at social determinants of health. Look at access to safe uh, transport, home life, education, money. All of those things go into what a person brings to work. They bring the whole person to work. And some of that's great. And some of it is stuff they're struggling with. So what are we doing if we're asking someone to focus on physical activity and nutrition if that person is struggling with mental health challenges or if that person is struggling with housing? I think we've got to broaden the definition of what we're doing and understand everything we can about a person with the best of intentions to deliver services, programming, education, needs-based assistance to everybody. And let's use data for good. Absolutely. When we think about tailoring that well-being program to be effective, we think about being able to collect that data, analyze that data, again, using data for good, and say, how can we really act upon that in a whole person mindset, a whole health mindset, and then really deliver that lifestyle data in a good way to them to be able to say, hey, we care about you, we're culturally connected to you, here's what's important to you now, let's offer something that is a critical element in your life that might help your health. So to me, that's where the tailoring of well-being programs and saying it's personalized, prove it. Now you gotta go to hyper-personalization and let's use data for good to be able to do that. Fill the gaps, connect the dots, integrate that. And to me, that's where we need to continue to press that in our marketplace because those are the specific needs and interests of our employees. So let's listen to them and continue to develop programming that is, that is unique to them. The rise of remote work has really transformed the traditional workplace, the workplace. So we think about new challenges or opportunities within workplace wellness to connect to that remote work transformation. Talk to me about maybe what you're seeing organizations do to prioritize health and well-being programs in supporting those remote workers. You know, I think the same things that hold true to a population that's at an office or remote is very similar. The tried and true methods that we're doing are similar. The way we get there tends to be a little different. We're still wanting people to stay healthy and we're still wanting to understand their needs. But unfortunately, the delivery mechanisms have to be entirely different than they were 20 years ago when we were all sitting in front of a computer in the office as opposed to at home. So to me, we have to embrace change, right? Navigate, one of our values is embracing change. And we experienced the same thing that everybody else did over the, over the pandemic years. And I think we're still finding our way a little bit and trying, trying our best to understand it. So to me, it's about empathy. It's about grace. It's about understanding. It's about flexibility. And that autonomy within the work. Absolutely. What, what, what remote work offers. Yeah. Absolutely. And personally, the biggest thing I've, I, that I have to come to terms with is for me, there's no higher level of engagement than having just a one-on-one -on -one conversation or maybe a couple people huddled up in a room trying to figure out a problem, right? That is, that is my place. I love that situation. But a younger generation workforce some of them are finding just as much value doing that over Teams or Slack. Sure. And that is something that's new to me. And I've got to learn personally to embrace that. 
And so I look at younger generation of, uh, of people coming in and I go, how can I adapt to that? And, you know, we've paid our dues and we've gotten to where we are. And we say, all right, these people need to respect where I'm coming from. Couldn't agree more. However, we have to go back and say, how can I evolve? How can I adapt? And one of the things I've found that's really interesting is trying to open my eyes is social media's experience with the workplace. And so a lot of people get their news and information from TikTok and Reels and Be Real and all the new social platforms. To me, it's very eye-opening to see how people talk about work on those platforms. And if that's where you're getting your news, that's where you're getting your information, then your view is probably pretty different than what mine is. So I've been going on TikTok, I've been going on Reels and just to kind of see what the vibe is. And it's not at all the way I think about work. And so to me, it's about adaptation. It's about understanding and trying to better myself first to understand a new generation of people that are coming into the office. You know, some things I think that to go back to that remote work is well-being plays that crucial role when it comes to combating isolationism, loneliness. There has to be a multifaceted approach. One of the things that, that I love is that the well-being initiatives that are involving the community aspect of it is getting out in your community, whether if you're working remote or not, offering volunteer days, getting people out of their office and not have to worry about, you know, taking time off, but giving volunteer days, doing social activities, obviously, but just providing opportunities to interact and like fostering that connection among colleagues that, that you can do in geographic areas. But it's just that, you know, again, it's looking at mental health support. It's looking at sometimes even communication skills. It's training that manager in some communication skills by noticing what's out there when it comes to mental health and just building upon and maintaining those positive relationships where we could actually talk to someone, rather be remote or virtually or just help reduce those feelings of isolationism. And quite frankly, write a handwritten note. I mean, I love getting handwritten notes. I do it all the time. We just did an exercise at Navigate where we wrote thank yous and showed gratitude to three different people, whether they're at work or your family, and just taking the time to do that. Physical activity helps with isolationism and helps with one's mental health. So like regular exercise, obviously improved sleep obviously helps. And so those are all things around enhancing your own self-care too, where just giving time to yourself to be able to just relax. So when we think about well-being, I think about, you know, healthy eating habits. I think about relaxation techniques, just self-care practices of your overall well-being, I think it help where well-being programs can address that physical, emotional well-being of someone and help to connect that increase the motivation to want to connect to people as well. Yeah. And I think having someone like Navigate as a partner is going to free up time for your HR people, for you out there to not have to worry about the baseline of the program. We're going to take care of that for you. We're going to service your people. We're going to make sure that the program's running fine. We're going to give you all the data and analytics you need so that you can spend your time thinking about those high impact things. Maybe instead of worrying about our program, because we got it covered, you can do a letter writing campaign. You can have a gratitude. Create that supportive environment exactly. that fosters the opportunity to have meaningful relationships and meaningful time with one another. And we got, really we got you over here. Yeah. You focus on these big high impact things. Yeah. Love that. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. So obviously 2024 is here, we're in month two. Organizations, they're really digging into their programs and we're seeing incentive design, we're seeing how and what people are prioritizing. Jay, when you think about the integration of what we're seeing in our incentive designs, 
and what people are bringing together when it comes to other HR initiatives, health insurance programs, employee assistance programs, maybe talk about that landscape and how people are kind of bringing things together and, and building that case for a more collaborative and integrated user experience. The baseline for what we're expected to do these days is to have one place for all of our benefits to live. It's clear and concise of what this is and what it does. That is just the table stakes these days. And there's still too many people that don't have the resources to do that, that they have EAP over here, they have medical over here, they have dental in a third place. You've got to work to figure that out. So for us, the easiest thing you can do is bring that all under one roof, is to say, here is a hub full of all of your benefit resources. And as luck would have it, our platform offers that for everybody. So good. The next step is not giving someone a giant list of benefits and hoping that they find it. It's understanding that you need that benefit and walking them to the front door and maybe even knocking on it for them. It's a journey. Exactly. Yeah. And the journey should be simple. It should be easy. It should not be walking uphill the whole way. It should not be something that you've got detours all along the path. It should be, I'm already doing this other thing over here. And oh, by the way, while we were walking together, we noticed this might be somewhere where you want to stop and, and check out. Navigate's total health program finds those benefits that are most relevant to the participant and holds their hand right up to the front door and does everything but open it for them. That's the power that a holistic well-being program that is hyper-personalized can bring to the table is getting participants to those benefits. And the benefit is not just for the participant, it's for all of our HR people out there who are constantly battling budget problems and the challenge of having multiple vendors and multiple contracts and frankly, large PEPMs that come out of all of these and people questioning whether or not they're being utilized. I love that you went there. If they're being utilized, being able to work with the multiple broker consultants that we work with throughout the country, it's fun to see that resource audit and then integrating that into our well-being program. And at the end of the year, coming back and saying, we need to help design a better plan design around your well-being program, because here's the data that we have of people being able to see and say, are they engaging? Are they not? No one's using this. Everyone's using this. Let's make sure this is focused. One of the questions that we continue to see and we saw trends is like, how are we stewarding our budgets well when it comes to health and well-being? We're seeing more clinical focus. We're seeing more outcomes focus. What we're also saying, like, how are we taking this holistic approach to well-being programming and design our benefits around that to really connect that whole person, that holistic well-being. So Jay, go there a little bit. Where do you see that alignment or providing that great employee experience and that connecting all those dots together for not only the engagement equation, but the stewarding of good budgets? The budget challenge for all of our groups is, is not getting easier. It's getting harder every day, right? There's only so much room there. So I think it's a collaborative effort, right? You've got to have a well-being vendor. You've got to have all these point solution vendors and a broker and your own team and finance team all working in conjunction to say, what are the organizational goals? What are we trying to achieve? What are the outcomes and results that we're going to see from all of these? And how do we get people to them to actually drive those results? So give you an example. A lot of people see an EAP program. A lot of people have them as part of their medical benefits, or you know, maybe it's a third party that's bolted on, but the utilization of them historically has been unfortunately low. And all of the data will show us that, but 
What it's not showing is that there are quite a few people that get value out of that. So we've got to figure out a way to get them to the front door. That's where personalization comes in. That's where identification and using data for good and hooking a participant up with the resource that they need, maybe that's the EAP program, is where we need to be going. But if that service is still not utilized, or maybe it's not driving the results, which our brokers can tell us and our, our vendor partners can tell us, then we need to be willing to say, okay, let's not go down that road. Let's do something else. When we think about holistic well-being and that whole person, we're going to have to continue to deliver more. Yep. One of the, the more things that we saw this year within instead of designs and connecting within our, our software was career well-being. And we think about that holistic approach to well-being, your career is important to you. So we saw lots of folks integrate training, leadership programming, linking into surveys around their personal plan, kind of leading people toward the resources that HR had inside the well-being program, and we connected it to career well-being. I love that because it's just another variable in the equation of how we can help people stay at the company, retain them, have them be more productive, maybe even link them to, hey, there's jobs that are available, and here's a quick link to all the careers that are available to us. Then even mentoring, being able to say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. Are there ways that we can connect? And yes, there's employee resource groups that we're connecting to. There's mentoring programs we're connecting to. So bringing all those again together, that holistic approach, we're influencing the business strategy by connecting more underneath the well-being umbrella. Yes. And that's the personalization. I love the fact that career well-being was part of that equation this year, helping those managers, helping those individuals think about the personal connection to their career, to the business. That's retention, that helps productivity, and that's all under the well-being umbrella. So Jay, when it comes to workplace wellness, we think about chronic conditions. 20% of those employer-sponsored health benefits account for 80% of the employer's spending on healthcare. We think about identifying and mitigating risk associated with employee benefits programs and that spend. Talk to me about the support needed to effectively manage that health and how can we help continue to do that? So I think, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out to all of our broker partners. This starts with you and understanding your risk of your participant population. And a lot of that is coming through an analysis through your broker partner. Uh, we've got several of them that make that available standardly, and that's a, that's a great service to offer. Starts with understanding your claims data. Like you said, 20 chronic conditions are going to represent 80% of your spend. So you've got to make sure that there's something in place for all of those. Actually, not all of them, but you've got to identify where you can make the most impact, right? Diabetes has long been a challenge in this country and it continues to be, but there are programs out there that do work and do mitigate those risks, control those costs. But the challenge has always been getting people to them, identifying the appropriate people to them. That's why we all have to work together. And by that, I mean the well-being program, the HR professional, the broker partners, and all of these vendors, we're all in this together. If you don't identify someone as diabetic, we can't get them in a diabetes program. How do we identify them as diabetic? We get them to the doctor. How do we get them to the doctor? We get them into a well-being program by the incentive that the HR professionals worked with the leadership of the organization to say, cost control is a goal we all have in mind, which leads to a well-being program, which leads to an incentive, which leads to participation, which leads to identification, which leads to getting people into the right service. Not only impacting individuals' health, but it also significant challenges when it comes to productivity and just the overall well-being of someone. 
When we think about driving someone to their primary care physician, number one incentive that we saw within 2024 program this year was driving people to their primary care physician and rewarding people to do that. To me, that's a wonderful opportunity to get people to have a connection to their community, their doctor, and be able to have that support when it comes to their physical, mental, overall health well-being. That's where engaging and supporting individuals in that journey, helping better manage those current conditions once we look at it and we can drive those programs to them. What we found is that the physician is the key to starting off this journey for a participant, regardless of where they are. If, they're, if they've never participated in a well-being program before, or if they're active runner and doing triathlons, right? The physician is the maximum amount of impact for the minimal amount of effort. So we recommend everybody has that as a part of their program. And what that's going to do is get the ball rolling. It's going to start understanding. It's going to start knowing your numbers. And it's going to start recommendations into other services and benefits. They're going to ask you about your health. They're going to ask you about your mental health. And they're going to start getting you thinking about all of these other opportunities, which then expands by looking at a well-being program, by looking at your employee benefits, by talking with people that are also participating in this, utilizing the social aspects of work to understand yourself and your own health needs, working with other people in the community or where you interact and where your friends are and where your hobbies are. If you're talking to your doctor, you're more likely to talk to someone else about it. And if you talk to someone else about it, you're more likely to get involved in whatever that activity is, be it physical, nutrition, social, financial, mental health, talking about it, being more comfortable about it, educating yourself about it. All of those are positive steps toward making change. And you talk about talking about it. It's also communicating to employees and informing them, here's the data we're collecting. Here's why. Being transparent in that and being able to say, hey, there is strict confidentiality around this. We need to ensure that the information is kept confidential, but it's really to help those that employee make decisions. Yeah. And so giving them the tools and, and, and obviously getting their consent, but designing programs that are inclusive and accessible to all employees, but just regardless of their health status, regardless of demographics and obviously other social determinants of health issues, being able to offer those up, but then also look at how we can identify and mitigate those risks by providing the right resources at the right time. Well-being programs play a role, a powerful role when it comes to recognition, mm -hmm. um, rewarding. All those are interconnected when it comes to the role of engaging folks in health and well-being. Talk to me more, maybe a little bit about how a culture of appreciation can also foster engagement inside well-being. That's so well said, a culture Thanks. of appreciation. For me, when you're talking about culture and the culture that you want from your organization, it goes beyond the mission statement, right? The mission statement is a good place to start, but how do you execute on that? You have to believe in it. It starts at the top and really instilling that value and actually demanding it from everybody below them and holding everyone accountable. And I don't mean holding you accountable in like an you know, aggressive or mean way, like, oh yeah, you got to hit your sales numbers. To me, it's about empathy, and sort of adult learning, this is what we value and this is why we value it. And I want this place to be a place that everybody feels welcome, feels safe, feels protected, feels happy to come into, and then satisfied when they go home to engage with their family. So to me, it starts with 
everybody pulling in the same direction, which means you have to be transparent. You have to be having good, solid, empathetic conversations. It's about meeting of the mind and really sort of getting the concept. And for some people, that means abandoning things that they've held tight to protect themselves. Cynicism. People have been maybe not trusting of their work environment. And maybe, maybe if you're trying, someone's trying to make a change, give them some room, give them some time to do that. To me, it's more about the human condition, honestly, than how we are at work. It's, a, it's, it's about our, ourselves and being open and being honest and being willing to enjoy each other's company. I don't know exactly how to turn that into a culture, but I know that I can start with me. People naturally are more productive when the value of the work that they do is being recognized. And I think that when we think about well-being and recognition and rewards is the fact that well-being can help recognize some things when it comes to your personality, help you become self-aware, help you think about your own improved self-care. The well-being as a foundation for recognition is that personalization, going back to that. And then looking at and say, what sort of reward or recognition would help me even make even a better connection to my company? And there's wonderful things that we can do, but just continually be receptive to the environment where having an authentic message and recognition around the impact that an individual employee has can be an X factor. Yeah. And so that's where leadership has to come into play. And it's just not writing the word, I appreciate you. It's saying, I appreciate you because you've done this for us. I've seen you grow. I've seen you take the next steps to better understand yourself, your strengths, and help even contribute even more. That to me is where it's more than technology. It's technology and that personal touch and using recognition for good and building that culture of appreciation and being authentic about it. And that's where good communication is just, it just has to be there. Yeah. I think you've got tools at your disposal. You've got incentive programs. You've got survey programs. You've got communication programs. You can take advantage of every single one of those, or you can just pick up the phone or open up teams and say, Hey, you did a really good job here. And because you did a really good job, here's 25 bucks for this. You want to reduce stress and anxiety, show appreciation. Yep. <laughs> hey, bottom line, you would think about the effort it takes to validate someone's contributions when it comes to just having an open conversation. Be more positive. That helps people feel more secured in their work experience. I've been told I'm too positive. Okay, I'm realistic, <laughs> but I'm also authentic in saying, hey, I want to recognize you and having peer-to-peer -peer recognition to me is like, that's where you start to really foster those social interactions to negate isolationism and being able to build those stronger relationships with teams. When people see that they're aligned with an organization's core values and you create appreciation and you create care, then you create a great culture. And that to me, you combine all those things and that's where fostering that culture of appreciation just really is to me, another X factor in the variable of engagement, overall well-being, and just connecting people to the value of the work that they're doing every single day. It can be done. It just takes effort. When we think about fostering great cultures, when we think about fostering the opportunity for recognition, part of that is listening, is creating that safe environment where people can have different opinions and really feel appreciated for being different. 
to me, that's where a thriving workforce environment really connects with everyone in the most wonderful, diverse workforce that we've ever seen in the most wonderful country in the world is like, how do we get people to actively participate? And it takes leaders to open up and have these cultures that are a safe environment to listen, to learn, and to use that data for good for the betterment of the company. Yes. If I had one piece of advice for people out there, it is find leaders that are caring about the people that works for them first, and then are curious. Mm-hmm. Curiosity will lead to understanding and caring will lead to understanding as well. One of the things that I see in 2024 that, that gives me a lot of positive energy is the ripple effect through organizations combining well-being, career development. They're taking all those complementary strategies, strategies and bringing that together on, underneath the well-being umbrella. And so all those things, recognition, well-being, they're not isolated activities anymore. They're collaborating to bring those things together. Yep. So it's been fun answering questions in this episode. Thank you all again for sending in questions and subscribing to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Keep doing that. It's been wonderful to do this episode and more to come. So the more questions you send, maybe we'll do this episode again. So thank you for doing that. So it's time for the best day ever portion of the podcast. Jay, we need a good to end the podcast on. So give me a good. I have a a great, not a personal one, a work one. So at the end of the year, we run all of our analytics for the platform, for our products, biometrics, survey data, that sort of thing. And we saw for our new total health product, an engagement off the charts and so far beyond what we were expecting. We're thrilled by the results. Put it in context, book of business, our engagement rate is about 56% last year. For our total health program, 74%. Highly engaged participants, somewhere in the mid 30s. For total health, 61. We almost double it. As we define engagement. As we define engagement, which has some meat behind it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. To knock anybody. I know you're proud of that. I mean, it's taken some time and something very unique that we have built at Navigate. And it's been a journey. I was anxious to see where total health is going to go. But yeah, congrats, man. That's just, uh, it's awesome. My best day ever has to go to the fact that uh, we just finished up our annual meeting. Here at Navigate, we finished up putting out our vision for 2024 with our entire team and spending those connections. It's just good juice. It's great energy. And the fact that we're going to add anywhere between 20 and 30 people in the first half of this year at Navigate. So go to careers at Navigate and apply. We're growing. We've earned the right to do even more. And we're accomplishing things in the marketplace that I feel that are unique that are new and that people are gravitating toward. I think that's best day ever. And I'm looking forward to 2024 and and beyond all the people that I get to do it with. And you're one of them, buddy. And I appreciate you and all the navigators that are out there. We appreciate you, all those folks that work with us. Thank you. And again, thanks for sending in the questions and subscribing. If there's more we can do for you, let us know. We hope you brought value to your day-to-day. Keep listening and subscribing. And uh, thanks for all that you do for others out there. Take care and have a great month. See you, everybody.